Well, notice with me in Romans uh, chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 20. The Bible says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. I want us to focus on that phrase in verse 23, the second part, where Paul says, having a great desire. Having a great desire. That's the title of this morning's message. And I want us to look at Paul's great desire to reach the lost, to disciple new believers, and to plant New Testament churches. Because I believe it's God's will for every one of us here to have that same exact desire, that same exact passion, that same exact longing, that same exact eagerness to go after souls. I believe that was the heartbeat of Paul, and I believe it should be the heartbeat of every person in this room. And every person that knows and understands the gospel of Jesus Christ, may that be their great desire. I'm looking at a room this morning filled with people that I know have that desire, and I'm so thankful. I think of Brother Bob Landis with MTT Ministries. I traveled with them one uh, summer, went to New York City, did street preaching, went into the synagogue and we witnessed to, to the Jewish people and, and the subways and it was amazing. I, I was just been here about a year and a half and, and, and the, the love of Jesus Christ and Brother Bob's life just rubbed off on us. And I'm I'm thankful for his passion and I could say that about others here that I see. Brother Jeremy Lockhart who's been preaching the past couple days, every time I'm around him, I, I always sense his zeal and his passion for souls and his desire to do more than he's ever done before. I, I just sense that and I'm so thankful. And by the way, let me throw a plug in for Brother Landis. If you are not considering yet, if you don't know where God's going to have you in the summer, please consider uh, MTT Ministries. It is an, Brother Bob will help you. Miss Joyce will help you, prepare you as you want to go forward serving God in your life. But nevertheless, we, we are thankful for those that have that desire. And it is contagious. By the way, something that's true, and I'm sure you've noticed in your life and I've noticed in mine, something that's also contagious is a complaining spirit. And I, I just pray that each of you, we all have our days, amen. We, none of us are flawless in that category, but we ought to always strive to have a passion to be thankful, to be filled with gratitude. It'll help us. It'll, it'll help your faith. It'll, it'll help you as you move forward for Christ. But Paul had a great desire. He had a longing uh, to see people come to Christ. And that's my prayer this morning, that... With the, with the message that I'm about to preach, I, I hope that we will all leave here this morning with a greater burden and passion for souls. Let's pray together. 
Father, I am so grateful to be here this morning. And Lord, I don't know exactly what you're going to do in hearts. I know you've been working already in this missions conference. And I just pray that you would first of all be glorified. And that Lord, you would, Spirit of God, you would just touch hearts in only a way that you can. Perhaps, Lord, you might touch someone like you did me back in 2008, sitting in this very room, when you touched my heart about going to Niger. You gave me clarity, Father, as clear as day, and I thank you for that. Oh, God, I pray you'd just give clarity today. Give further light, further revelation to some here today. Strengthen each one. Oh, Father, and give us all a greater burden for souls. And, oh, dear Jesus, as Jonathan Edwards prayed, we pray too. Lord, stamp eternity upon our eyeballs. It's in the blessed, precious, wonderful, marvelous name of Jesus. I pray all of these things. Amen. Having a great desire. Paul had that in so many ways. Desire is an interesting emotion, is it not? I'm thankful for desires. I believe they're God-given. I believe they're a sweet emotion that can help us much in life. And just like anything uh, that God created intended to be good, Satan has uh, tried and and continues to try to uh, pollute it, to pervert it, to contaminate it. So we know there's bad desires too, but... But you know, I'm thankful for the emotion of desires. Desire is a longing, an eagerness uh, for that which brings satisfaction. And the goal of the Christian life is to desire things that will bring eternal satisfaction to the Lord God and to our own lives. You see, desires are a blessing. But what kind of desires do you have is a good question, is it not? Uh, what desires do you have today? Uh, what drives you? Where's your passion? What, what makes you really excited in life? That is, uh, that is indeed a good question for us all. I mean, we do have physical desires and even little silly things that, that uh, we, um, we desire, we get excited about. Now, I happen to be one that is, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good, I think I'm a good coffee drinker. I like coffee, all right? Some of you wish you had another cup right now. Uh, uh, and and uh, you may need it with my preaching, but nevertheless, coffee's good, and I like coffee. And I don't, I don't now. I don't like the frou frou stuff. I like just give me, give me black. I like it black. Just don't, let's don't make this complicated. All right, just, just want to give me a cup of coffee, and uh, I enjoy that. A good dark roast and and uh, it, freshly brewed. I, I, I just, I get passionate about that at times. I tell you, I get passionate about football. I like college football specifically, and uh, you know I grew up pulling, pulling for the Clemson Tigers. But moving to Athens, Georgia, I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm just as much as a bulldog as I am a tiger. And uh, I, 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 hey, I'm telling you what, if you want to get on Brother Hanky's good side, you get him uh, two tickets, all right, so he can take his bride or his son or whoever. You get them, you get him two tickets to the the Georgia Tennessee game coming up this Saturday. Amen. All right. Go dogs! 
That's right. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be a good game. Georgia's going to win. I believe it. But nevertheless, we get excited about things. If you don't think uh, those folks get excited in Athens, you just watch a game. Those people are crazy. And you could say that almost about any big college football team, honestly. People get fanatic about that. They get excited. I understand a lot of it's for fun, and a lot of people do it over, they're overzealous about it. But the fact of the matter is, there's some desires that we have, we can have fun with that are innocent, and they don't violate Scripture. It's okay. But those are physical desires that we have. But you know, more importantly, we need to see what our spiritual desires are. What are our spiritual passions in life? And I believe we can look at Paul's life and, and learn some things about what kind of spiritual passions we ought to have as God's people. I mean, this man had some great desires, did he not? And it moved him mightily to be mightily used of God. I mean, I, I just think of that song uh, when it comes to, to having desires and passion. That song, Set My Soul Afire, Lord. Set My Soul Afire. Oh, make my life a witness. Oh, of that burning fire. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. You know what that is? That's a song, but that's a prayer for passion. It's a, it's a prayer for God. Give me a, a desire that will light me up and move me forward. And I believe the, the, one of the attacks of Satan is to lull the church to sleep. Sleepy Christians. That's where we are a lot of times. We're sleepy. And, and the Spirit of God is seeking to bring in fresh air and uh, awaken us to being passionate, to be zealous, to be on fire for God. That's why we have missions conferences. It's because we all grow cold, do we not? I hope, you're, I hope you've been rekindled already, brethren. I hope God's already doing a stirring there. I hope decisions have already been made. I hope more will be made this week as Brother Tracy Jones comes and these brethren give testimonies. I hope you'll go to the displays in the gymnasium. I mean that. I don't care if you've already been twice. Go three times. Go four. You go talk to somebody different. Share your testimony of salvation. Thank God that they're there. Tell them you're going to be praying for them. Hey, go by there and visit them. Why? Because it helps your heart stay stirred. It keeps your eyes fresh on eternity. And the souls of men and women get heavier upon your heart. Hey, that's a good burden to have. It's a great burden to have. God help us when we start losing our burden for souls, for countries, for people. I know we throw that number around, 8 billion. That's a lot. It's hard for our human minds to get it wrapped around it, isn't it? It's hard. I mean, just think of their faces. Look at them. Think upon them. Think upon their eternal destination unless they get the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unless somebody gets there in time. Feel that burden, brethren. Let's don't shun it. A lot of us, I hope all of us, reject the teaching of Calvinism. I certainly hope that. I believe you do. But you know what? We're, a lot of us are guilty of practical Calvinism. We need a passion, brethren. We need a great 
desire. Paul had a great desire. You do that study through Scripture. He had a, he had a God-given and Spirit-led desire for the matter of eternity. Uh, Paul, you'll notice through his epistles, he uses this word desire often. Uh, he uses the word ready often. He, he talks about how he desired to see Titus and Timothy face to face. He desired to see his churches. See, the Bible talks about how he desired to see the churches go forward. He had a, a, a desire, a great desire to actually see the Lord. Remember, he was in a straight twixt between two. He, he was like, man, I want to go to heaven and see God. I have a desire to go see Jesus now. But he said it would be more profitable for me to stay. You see, he had, a, he had some, some good desires. He, he, had, he had a desire to be found faithful. That was a, a readiness in his heart. Lord, let me be found faithful. Hey, I, wanna, I don't know about you, but I, I want God to find me faithful. When God calls me home, I, when I die, I want to I die serving Jesus. Don't you, brethren? the Lord were to come today, I, 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 want him, I want Him to find us being faithful. Little children, abide in Him. That when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. At His appearance, John tells us. Having confidence, how can we do that? I believe by passionately serving our Lord. You see... Do you have a great desire to reach this world for Christ? Do I? Your only reason for living in this life is to be a witness for Christ. Everything else is a sub-theme to the main theme that for me to live is Christ. You see, we get distracted, don't we? Soul winning. Church planning. Going. Almost becomes a little category when we get to it. But what God desires for you and me is to be consumed by it. And everything I do, I'm a witness. Everything else is below that. I'm a witness as a father. I'm a witness as a husband. I'm a witness as a pastor. I'm a witness as a neighbor. Everything I'm a witness, a witness for Christ is first and foremost. That was Paul's testimony. And I hope it's yours. And I hope it's mine. Notice in our passage here, we see Paul longing to see the believers in, in, in Rome. 
uh, it, it's, he, he uh, knew many of these brethren, as you will read chapter 16, and he starts just naming all of them, those that he had ministered to in the past, such as uh, Priscilla and Aquila uh, and, and others, uh, Phoebe and others, that he had a close relationship to, and he really wanted to go see them. And we know from the Scriptures he does get to go see them. But uh, listen to uh, his, his heart's desire. He wanted to come, but it says the Bible says that he had been hindered. And I'll talk about more of that here in just a moment. But uh, as we think upon his great desire uh, to go to Rome, let's, let's look at what the reasons were for to go to Rome. It was to see the brethren and encourage them. But go back with me to chapter 1, would you? Notice Romans chapter 1. Would you turn there with me, please? Romans chapter 1. Again, this group of believers gathered in Rome. Notice verse 11. Here it is. For I long to see you. There's that desire of Paul. Why? That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about pouring into them. He's talking about church planting. He says, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. He was going to draw encouragement from these brethren. And by the way, no matter how spiritually mature you are, you can always learn something from younger Christians. Paul was knew that he could get around new believers. In fact, brethren, I have found in my experience, I love being around people who had just been saved. They got that fire in them. Oh God, that's the fire I want. That's the fire God wants us to have. We see that he wanted to be around them. And then notice it says in verse 13... Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto, and he was hindered. He says that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among the Gentiles. Now listen to our brother, verse 14. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So get this language. Tell me if you sense a great desire in his heart language in his heart here so as much as is in me excuse me so as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek let me remind you here this morning that Paul wanted to go to Rome to see the brethren, no doubt about it. But you know what I believe was at the top of Paul's list in his heart? He wanted to go preach the gospel. He wanted to go to the barbarians. He wanted to go to the wise and unwise. He couldn't wait to get there and start preaching Jesus. It was at the top of his priority list. Why? Because it was a strong desire. It was a passion of his. It was a passion to reach lost souls. Everyone he knew, everyone he saw, he saw as spending eternity somewhere. And he wanted to get to them in time to make that difference. He says, I'm ready. There's a desire. I want us to notice also uh, this strong desire of his for souls is seen in chapter 9. You're familiar with it. Would you turn there? Chapter 9. 
Notice what the Bible says in verse 1 through 3. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. He says, I say a truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, I do not claim to, to, to get my mind wrapped around what Paul just said. But Paul is saying, in essence, was ready not only to go to the ends of the earth to reach the lost, but he was ready and willing to go to hell to see his Jewish brethren saved. He knew it was an impossibility. But what he's saying, if it was possible, I'd go. He knew it wasn't because Romans chapter 8, he preached nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Not even in himself. But what his heartbeat, his desire was so strong. He said, if it was possible, I'd go to the very flames of hell for my brethren to be saved. Brethren, we need to pray for that type of desire. God set my soul afire. Change me, Lord. Let me not go through life just paddling away in my comfort zone. Put me out on the firing line, Lord. Help me to go after sinners. Jim Elliot was mentioned just a moment ago. Jim Elliot says, We don't need a call. We need a kick in the pants to go out and reach them. We need to go after sinners for whom Jesus died. Go after them, brethren. Let's stop being timid. Let's be bold and go and show the love of Christ. That's what he was. I tell you, he was willing to go to hell for these brethren while we sit in our comfortable pews, our couches and our recliners and many of us aren't even ready and willing to go across the street and share the gospel. I wonder if there's people in your neighborhood that you have not talked to about the gospel. I wonder... If there's someone in the vicinity of your church, and I would happen to say I believe there is because I know they're around mine, people that are still unreached. People that still need to have a door, have someone knock on their door. Oh, my friends, I hope that going out and being a witness is not just something to check off, but I hope it's your passion. I hope it's not something you have to do, but I hope it's something you say I get to do. Praise God, we are ambassadors. God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation saying, Hey, guess what? Did you know that there's a God in heaven that loves you and that He died for you? And you get to be that middle one that brings God and man to meet each other. 
And, then, and, and we, are, we, are, we are, have the ministry of reconciliation. And may we not be negligent, brethren. I tell you, in closing, let me draw your attention back to our passage in Romans chapter 15, uh, where Paul is speaking to them, verses 20 through 23. You see, Paul had a desire uh, to reach people that had not heard the gospel. We saw that. He, he, was, he was longing. He says, I strive to preach the gospel not where Christ was named. I pray that we have that desire. Do you have that desire? I wonder if there's a young man out here, a young lady with a desire to say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to put myself on the altar and I'm going to go and say, Lord, I would like to go somewhere where people have not heard of the gospel. You say, I... I'm guilty of this. I I think sometimes I believe we pray, Lord, do you want me to go? Do you think anything would be wrong if we said, Lord, can I go? Lord. Not that you're discontent where you are. That's not the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying here. God knows our heart. We, we, we need to be planted and faithful where God calls us and puts us. But there should always, there should always be an eagerness to go in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to make it a practice as a pastor every time a missionary comes in. Not that I'm discontent. I love Crooked Creek Baptist Church. I love Crooked Creek Baptist Church. I even love the name of that sweet church. People say, Pastor, are you going to keep that name on there? I said, well, first of all, it's been the name for 220 years. Why change it now? Started in 1803 when Thomas Jefferson was president. God's had His hand on it all this year. I'm not going to go mess it up now. It was founded on the Crooked Creek. It used to be called this. In 1803 when it was established, I'm glad they shortened it up a little bit, Brother Bill, but it was called the Baptist Church of Jesus Christ on Crooked Creek. They've shortened it up a bit. I'm thankful. I love the church God has called me to be an under-shepherd too. It's been the best six years of my life. I'm thankful for the time that God called me to Niger and what I learned on the mission field about reaching Muslims and living in a Sahara desert in temperatures of 140 degrees. I'm thankful for how God let me live in France for almost a year and a half learning French and working in a New Testament church there in France with Jeff and Jane Abbott. I'm thankful for those experiences. Listen, I'm telling you, brethren, just let God have your life. It's wonderful. Don't be afraid of God's sovereignty. You know what happens a lot of times. We bank more on God's sovereign protection and care, so to speak, to take care of us. But we don't see God's sovereign in His call. We start backing up then. God has called us, brethren. And I just pray that there might be somebody here today, even on the faculty and staff, oh, everybody under the sound of my voice, anybody listening live stream, I hope that we can have a spirit of saying, Lord, do you want me to stay? I'm willing to stay, Lord, but God, if you can use me over there where Christ hasn't been named, 
Oh God, sign me up. Not arrogantly, brokenly, just uh, humbly coming to God saying, God, you know what you're getting. But if you can use me, I believe that was the heart of Paul. He said, look, I've been hindered. And by the way, by the way, brethren, sometimes the hindrances are not all bad. There were times in Paul's ministry that the Holy Spirit hindered him. There were times that he had good brethren looking after him saying, you're going to die if you go that way, and he would change courses. There were times on that, and, and, and I don't have time to look to it because I've, I've, I just have to respect the time here, but there was a time when he was trying to get to Jerusalem. The very context of this passage was him taking the saints, uh, taking an offering from Macedonia to the poor saints of Jerusalem. And there was a group of believers and, and a prophet by the name of Agabus that said, Paul, he even girded his belt and latched on to him as a, as a symbol saying, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be persecuted. And they tried to keep him from going. Even the physician Luke tried to keep him from going. His team was saying, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul said, with a broken heart, what are y'all doing to me? The whole, you're not telling me anything new. The Holy Spirit told me already, back when I was coming out of Ephesus, He told me that I was going to Jerusalem and that, and, and that I was going to Rome and that I would suffer much affliction. Paul already knew it. He said, y'all not telling me anything new. And he was being led of the Holy Spirit. And the, the Bible says there that Luke and the physician says, we couldn't convince him. And so what they said with a good spirit, may the Lord's will be done. And sometimes God will redirect us, God will stop us, God will move us. But I think the point to be in biblical Christianity as an ambassador for Jesus, we got to be ready to go anywhere, anytime, any way God calls us. No matter age, no matter background, no matter degrees, no matter what. You say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I don't know all about Hebrew grammar, Brother Hanky. I don't understand it all. But from what I understand, when Isaiah said, send me, that was an imperative. He said, after being broken and seeing his sin and coming to God and God saying, Whom shall we send? Old Isaiah with a heart full of passion, a strong and great desire. You know what he did? He said, Lord, sign me up. Send me. What would God do this morning? What could the Holy Spirit do this morning? If every person in this room, under the sound of my voice, would come to God with reverence and prayer and say, Lord, I believe I am where you have me right now. But Lord, can I go? Lord, would you have me to stay? Perhaps as somebody, you've already got your plans made out. Perhaps you've already got your ministry course laid out for you and the Holy Spirit is saying hold on I got something else in mind I wonder how many here would say Lord here am I a passion a great desire to see souls saved to see people discipled to see churches planted there's a dearth going on right now and we need a fresh move of the Holy Ghost to come upon us to be willing to go and not just be willing but to be eager, to be passionate. Where God just has to say, hold on now. 
I, I, I got you where I want you, son, daughter. You're, I got you where I want you, but thank you for being willing. You know, I think about my own kids. <laughs> Young kids now, I, they're, they're such a blessing to me. They keep me on my toes. They, 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 God used them for, to, in the sanctification process, I'm here to tell you right now. <laughs> Growing a lot in the Lord, being around my precious children. I just want to say this. You know, we're trying to teach them right now the importance of, you know, responsibility, chores, just being willing to do it with a good attitude. And a lot of, a lot of time goes into that, a lot of patience. And, uh, but nevertheless, can you imagine if one of my kids, maybe my daughter or my son, came up to me and said, Dad, I know it's not my night to do the dishes, but can I do them? What do you think my response is going to be? How dare you? That's just offensive. Sinful. Absolutely not. It's silly, isn't it? It is. What do you think our Heavenly Father does when we come to Him and say, Lord, I know this is not necessarily where you're calling me that I know of right now. Lord, I know this is, I don't know a lot about this, but God, could you use me there? Can I help? Can I help? Times like that, I say yes. My kids do that. My, now, there may be times where I have to change my answer. I, maybe my son Thomas, he's, he's eight years old. I mean, he's getting stronger. He played football this year. He's doing pretty good, but... Just imagine he came, Dad, I tell you what, I see you got some trees getting really grown up over there. I'll just take the steel chainsaw and go out there and cut those trees for you. Now, I appreciate his willingness to work hard and his willingness to go out there and use a chainsaw at the age of eight, but I'm most likely going to say, no. <laughs> You're good, buddy. Maybe in a few years. I appreciate your zeal. I appreciate your passion. But get, get for, for sake of illustration, please bear with me. I believe that that can be the Spirit too. Let's just get to God and say, God, can I? And the Father just may say, Son, I appreciate your zeal and your desire to give it all for me, but I got you where I want you right now. You just be faithful. You keep that heart from me. I'm going to use you, son. I'm going to use you, daughter. You keep that heart from me. I got great things in store for you. Sometimes God, when you do that, God in His great love and sovereignty may say, Child, thank you. This is pleasing to me. The Bible says that a living sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord. It's a sweet aroma. The Lord may say, Yes, child, I'll send you there. And I'm with you always. Sitting right over there where Caleb's sitting. I was 2008 praying God's direction. I was praying about several fields. I was praying about Italy. I was praying about Niger. I was praying about the Northwest. I was praying about Canada. I was praying about Maine. I had this list that I was praying over saying, God, where can you use me? Let me go, God. Let me go. I want to go and serve you with my life. It was that day. It was almost as if Jesus was sitting right beside me. Brother Matt Northcutt, missionary up in Canada, was preaching that morning, he was preaching on Nehemiah. And it's like God touched me and said, Niger's it, son. 
Oh, I hit that altar. I poured out my heart to God and I went home. And Joanna can tell you like it was yesterday. And we kind of laugh about it now, but when I first came home and told Joanna what God had just done, she said, do what? (laughs) Amen. I don't blame her. But we took a survey trip and Brother Nathan Dietrich, we had a wonderful time. God confirmed it in her heart. We had three wonderful years of ministry there. Thank God for it. Couldn't have done it without her. But my point is, brethren, let's say, let's change our prayers a little bit. Lord, if you might need me over there, Lord, I'm over here. No, let's get get signed up. I'm going to close with this. In uh, Little League football, it is so funny to watch. If you've ever witnessed Little League football, it's been great. It's been entertaining. Nine U, as Thomas is in, it's eight and nine-year-olds. And Brother Bill, I've noticed three types of players that are on that team, especially during the game. Now, again, they're, they're, young, they're young boys. They're, they're having a good time. Full pads, helmet, everything. And they get out there, they're excited, practice and all. Now, this goes back and forth to practice and games. But I've noticed there are three types of players. There are a, couple of, one, a group of players, it's not the majority of them, but this is what they do. They like to go sit on the bench and just watch everybody. You know, they just, they don't really have any desire. I'm not being hard on the kids. Maybe football's not their thing. They just kind of sit there and, and just observe. And during the games, we have to tell them, boys, get off the bench. Come on, stand on the sideline. Cheer on, your, cheer on your teammates. We have to kind of encourage them. You know, there's that type. And then there's a second group. Second group is, this group's not on the bench, but what they're doing, even during a game on the sidelines, they're playing tag. And then some of them, they're wrestling. I'm like, boys, save it for the field. They're wrestling. Get up, get up, cheer on your team. Some of them are squirting each other with the Gatorade bottles. (laughs) Boys, pay attention. They just having a ball, just kind of just playing around. But then there's those other fellas that are either out there playing, but then there's some of that that third group that that, that just draws my attention and impresses me. You know what they do? They find a place as close as they can to the coach. They get up right beside him. And they say to the coach, Coach, put me in. Put me in, coach. I'll go. I'm ready, coach. The whole time, coach is going this way. They're right behind him. <laughs> coach, get me in. And maybe it's, it's, usually not, it's usually the guys with not the most athleticism and Perhaps not the most gifted and talented, but you know what they got? They got heart, brother. They want to get in and do something for God. And that's what God is doing this morning. He's looking across this sanctuary and He's looking for those that will say, God, put me in. I'm ready, Lord. And as Brother Rex Cobb said, we don't want to have a can't-do, but the Bible says Christians ought to have a can-do attitude. Do you have a can-do attitude? Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ when strengtheneth me. It's time to step up with a can-do attitude. Amen? I can't, but He can. And there's a cycle in our lives that we go through in serving God. It's brokenness, it's faith, and it's obedience. 
And it's a continual cycle as God grows us and matures us. So my challenge to you, brethren, this morning, as we go forward in this missions conference, many of you have already surrendered. Let's do it again. Let's do it more. Let's be ready.